Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly, Wednesday night, Shir. Shir, as in the past, a few weeks, a few months, unfortunately, already, in Nishmas, Yaakov Ben, Tzvi Hirsh, Allah Shalom. And I'm sure it's not getting easier at home there. But David should send, although he was... If not mistaken, as Mandy, little Mandy was Talmud Shavuah this week, last week, maybe two weeks ago. But so this week is apropos to discuss the life of a person. The life of Sara. And of course, ironically, the Torah immediately tells us about the passing of Sara. Sara, Mea. Shana, Vesim Shana, Sheva Shanim. 127 years of age. That is this week's Shabbos Parsha. This Shabbos in Yetzirah Hashem is also, as we know, Shabbos Mevarchim Achaydish. Achaydish Kislev. Achaydish Kislev, the month of Nisan, of miracles. And of course, we'd like to play welcome. Us here in Crown Heights, we're going to welcome Him Hashem this week. The world emissaries, the Shluchim from all over the world, who are coming to unite and to have the annual Shluchim convention here in Kansi Hashem Sabracha in the Rebbe Shchuna, and hopefully Mitzvah Hashem this year, surely this year Mitzvah Hashem, they will actually have this kinas together with the Rebbe at our helm. Needless to say, it's not a simple thing orchestrating this and putting together Shluchim throughout the world. Um, it's done Shabbos Vachim Chedish Kislev because it's done Samuch Lerish Chedish Kislev which we'll discuss in Yetzirah Hashem the next week since Chedish is on Wednesday about the Teva. The Minhagim, as we all remember, Shabbos Mavachim Achedish, is the entire Tehillim is recited. Those that are saying Kaddish for a loved one, or even if they didn't love the person, if they're just saying Kaddish for that Neshama, there are five Kaddishim through the recital of, Ka- of Tehillim, as Tehillim is divided in five books, five Svarim. And after each Sefer coinciding with one of the Svarim, of the Chamishi Chumshitera, as it reads the Hirotzain at the end of each Sefer. And at that point, of course, Kadesh is recited, providing that the Tehillim is being recited with a minion, a quorum of ten men. This Shabbos is obviously going to be. Um, like Tishrei was, a very, very packed shul. Friday night, Shabbos day, Yetz Hashem. Um, the camaraderie, the love, the Avas Yisrael that goes down throughout the course of Shabbos, out the course of the next few days, is just overwhelming. Shluchim that have not seen each other for months 
or a year even, or some that didn't make it to last year's convention, or they didn't even see each other on the last convention because Kanayinahara, the Elam, was so big, and therefore seeing each other, and of course making a special bracha of Shaykh Yanu when we see a friend that we have not seen in a long time. Um, obviously, of course, we have those that have not seen a very dear friend for a very, very long time, and they will actually make the bracha baruch mechayim Mason. Um, but regardless, the embracing, shaking of hands, the unite, unison, unison in which the shtuchim coming from all over the world come together and join arm in arm and ultimately culminating strawberry ultimately culminating in the culminating with the banquet, which the banquet, of course, ends out, always breaks out in dance and joy. Um, I'm making a mistake here, leaving the sound on, unfortunately. Okay, here he is. I was going to call him. And as I was looking up your name to put you on, whoops, there we go. Put on your put call you, you called me. Okay. Um, if you do have anything going on in your house, anything on your computer, please, whoops, wrong plug, please lower it. Um, the special date of Rish Chedesh Kislev, of course, as we know, we will discuss what we said next week, a day of Zayim Kudos Masechah for the Chesidim, whatever you open. Sorry, Menu. Dashi tells us of this. How we do this? Hold on. Um, or okay, got both of you. Last week's parsha we read of the Akedas Yitzchok. Avinu binds his son Yitzchak to the altar as per command of the Almighty and prepares him to bring him as a sacrifice. <coughs> 
tells us Rashi, a medrash. The Satan, or the Malach Amavis actually, comes to Sarah Emenu. And he says, um, Sarah, Rebbe's in Sarah. He had to talk with their Heretz. And he says to her, he asks her, Where's your husband, Avram? Where's your son, Yitzchak? Sarah didn't feel an actual need to answer. Especially since she didn't have what to answer. She did not know where they were. Tells the Medrash that the Sultan opened her eyes and lifted her eyes up and showed her the actual Akeda in action. Yitzchak, her only child, who she gave birth at 100 years old, bound to an altar, and her husband, Avram, standing above him with a knife, about to slaughter him. And the Satan tells her, you see, Avram, almost slaughtered Yitzchak. Almost. Implying, of course, that he doesn't actually go through with the action. He doesn't actually do it. Says Rashi, Parcha Nishmasa, Sarimena's Neshama flew out of her, hearing the news of her only child being brought as a carbon. Many things need to be examined here. First of all, what exactly did the Sutton show her? Why did it say she lifted up her eyes to see it? Also, why According to the wording, when he says almost is Parchanish Masa. When he, the implication that Avram did not kill Yitzchak, only at that point Parchanish Masa did Hanisham leave her. There are many, many other interesting ways of understanding what went on here. Firstly, let's understand Avram and Sarah. Avram and Sarah pretty much abandoned it didn't mean only Avram left from his land. Sarah traveled too. Sarah also was subjected to this adventure. Mind you, 
Sarah did not hear it from Hashem. Sarah did not speak to God, or did not have God speak to her to tell her to go on this mission. So in a way, we see therefore that the abnegation, the mysterious nefesh of Sarah is even, even greater than that of Avram's. Avram had a direct command from God. Sarah didn't. I'm not going to tell you that Sarah lived in a 12-bedroom mansion with 20 acres around with um, servant quarters and stables far from it Sarah was living in Sarah was living in the desert Sarah was living with Avraham Avinu, doing the things that they do best, welcoming guests. And we hear the story we spoke last week. After the third day of his circumcision, Avraham is sitting out in the desert sun, looking for passerbys. Obviously, he tried to look, to put a strategic location on all the local GPS's everybody should know that you can come by here to eat he obviously had a very large tent I mean we try to picture a tent you go camping you have a tent you pitch a tent for camping now you pitch a tent for camping you can pitch a tent you yourself crawl into which would almost resemble what you used to call a teepee. And you yourself can crawl up inside and turn into a circle and sleep. You're going to see a tent that two people can sleep comfortably. Side by side. It's a nice sized tent. And then you can go out to an army base and see a tent where they have barracks. Hundreds of people sleeping. They have a mess hall in a, in a tent. That's a tent. Avramavino's tent was open from four sides. In order to have four sides, it has to be a substantial size tent. So yeah, Sarah lived in a Nefi'erach, spacious quarters, but it wasn't paradise. So, it's a place they call home. For a woman to leave a place that calls home is hard. 
Shemesh the bench is a couple, and they have two, three children. And when they first got married, they moved into a one-bedroom apartment with a living room and a dining room and a kitchen, a bathroom. And they really thought, ha, look at this apartment we have. We, we can play house. And David sends one baby, another baby, and you start to wonder how you're supposed to stand here, how you're supposed to move here. Nowhere to breathe. <coughs> the expression, I can't swing a cat in here. It becomes difficult. But still, when push comes to shove, and that couple, that very same couple, finds an apartment finds an apartment with three bedrooms or two bedrooms and the woman says told we're moving to a nicer bigger space She's got to stop packing her brick packs, stop packing her things, her clothing, her pack. It starts getting difficult. And she's not excited. She moves into the new house, she gets a little more excited, but the thought of moving, the thought of relocating and everything is, is very difficult. Vastutman, Sare Meno, told to move. She moved. She went. Where to? She didn't know. She didn't know she was getting a bigger space, a smaller space. Was she going to be in the streets? And Sadas Messias Nefesh turns out to be greater than Avram's. Sarah hears that her son was shechted almost. When she hears the almost, Parcha Nishmasa.
she hears almost and she finds out that her son was brought for a carbon but was not sacrificed this is Parchanish Masa this shocks her this shocks her because how is it possible my child that I raised that I brought into this world is not fit for a carbon. This is what shocked Sarayimenu. This is what upset Sarayimenu. Her child was not fit to be a carbon. This is what upset her to such an extent that she died from pain. This is what Sarah was made of. Sarah was made of such an, a material. She was connected so strongly to Hashem. Sarah's life was equal all 127 years. What does this mean? Sarah, in essence, as we just said, had a pretty difficult life. 
childless. Yitzchak is finally born. For the first half of her life, she was outside of Israel. Only at 65 years old did she move to the Holy Land. She was taken captive twice by kings that wanted to kill her. They wanted to marry her, they wanted to sorry, not kill her. They wanted to marry her and kill Avram. Yet the Pasik says that the life of Sarah, 127 years, they were all equally good, says Rashi. Seriously. This you want to refer to as equally good? Not having a child for so many years. Traveling, going from place to place, country to country, land to land. But we look at the wording actually. It says, Mea Shana, Esim Shana, Sheva Shanim. It doesn't say, Mea Vesim Sheva Shanim. It says, Shana by each one. <coughs> the is very, very makbid, very careful. Not to waste words. Each and every word is accounted for. <coughs> it says about Avram, it says, Avram, Zakim Baba Yomim, Vashemberach Zavram Bakel. He would talk about the life of Sarah, not her years. The Tate is highlighting the years, what kind of years she actually lived. Every one of her years was equally filled, meaningful, devoted to Hashem, purposeful. What was Sarah's life all about? Connecting to Hashem.
Sarah had the mitzvahs that are especially connected to women. That ultimately caused the divine presence. The shechina, the cloud of the shechina, rested on her tent. It hovered over her tent. Family purity, the challah, and the Shabbos candles. This was Sarah's life. Sarah lit candles on Friday evening for Shabbos and they burnt until the next Friday night. Yeah, she went through physical problems, physical pains, physical discomforts. But this did not make a dent in her quality of life. The quality being, of course, her connection to Hashem. This was perfect throughout her 127 years. Now, Agav, just a point. Avram, you know, it says, Ekev Hashem Avram Bekeli. Avram listened to God. Ekev is Gematria 172. But we know that Avram Avinu lived for 175 years. So why is 172? Some of us say that because he only recognized God at the age of three. Whereas Rivka uh, Sarah Menu was totally different. Sarah Menu from her birth. She didn't have that period of time that she was not connected and devoted totally to Hashem. Let us examine again the word the number one hundred and twenty seven. We find this number of 127 again in the story of Purim. Mind you, it's backwards here. It's not 127, though it says here in our Shana, Esim Shana V'Sheva Shanim, but rather, it says, Sheva ve'esim umeya medina. And Esther Hamalka ultimately, in the miracle of Chana, of Purim, rules over these 127 provinces, reflection of the granddaughter of Sara Imeno, who lives 127 years. This is a medrash. 
There's a medrash that compares the 127 over there to the 127 over here. Now, honestly, do we need a medrash to tell us that 127 and 127 are equal to So the numbers must have something more significant to them that compare the two. Something that went on in the time of Sarayimena's life and in the time of Esther, Hamalka's life. When it says the years of the life of Sarah, Rashi summarizes it and says they were all equally good as we just said. Everybody's life is marked. There's always a change in everybody's life. Everybody has to have ups and downs in their life. And you also have different stages you go through, different ages. Person at this age is this and this age is differently again. But remarkably, by by Sarei Meno, it says no. It says all of them were equally good. By Esther Amalka, we find the number 127. The Medish understands that this is to draw the attention of the 127 years of Sarah's life. Telling us that the Jews merited the miracle of Purim. as they lived scattered in 127 different lands. In 127 different lands, you're going to have different cultures and different languages and different characters and different cult- different climates, etc. Obviously, lifestyle is not the same. If the regular lifestyle is not the same, so much more so the Jewish lifestyle is going to deviate. And yet, when the announcement came that they're going to try to annihilate the Jewish nation, nobody moved. Nobody said, ah, it's not so important to us, we're different in our country than they are in the other countries. We don't live it the way they do, and therefore they're ready to be, uh, too ready to denounce their Judaism. <coughs> Just like the 127 years of Sarah were equal, so too, the 127 nation, uh, Medinas, which the Jews lived in, were the same. They were the same in their steadfast <coughs> devotion, dedication to God, and thereby ultimately 
meriting to be called the grandchild, the granddaughter of Sarah, and therefore it was the granddaughter of Sarah. That same concept that said, I don't know and I don't care and I don't feel the hardships of my physical life because I am only interested in my spiritual life. This is also a hint to our lives today. Because right now, we gave you the comparison, the correlation of the days of Sarah Menu to the days of Esther Hamalka. Wonderful. What about us? What are we doing that connects us to this? Sheva Shanim. Seven years. This is the time when we start to really educate the child, the seven-year-old child. Child, we educate from birth. But at seven, we really start to find different connections that the child picks up on, different ideas that the child reflects on, and thereby ultimately finding ourselves really properly educating him at the age of seven. Him or her. Yeah. And that's what's brought down to Shulchan Aruch. That at seven is a year chinuch. We educate a Jewish girl the concept of Tznias from the age of three already. Hadlakas Natus by the Jewish girl is from birth. When the child is born, as soon as the child is born, their first Shabbos they light candles. But the actual Chinuch is seven years old. At twenty, the person becomes what's called a Godel. If you keep your score at home, look in the Gemara Baba Basra, Kuf Nun Vav Amid Amid Aleph, 156 side A. He goes out now to pursue a career, pursue a life. It's also brought down in the Mishnah, the, the end of the fifth period of Ovis. 100 years, the same period in Ovis. Tells us Ava bottle minailam. It's about over. Although we say it lives 120. But basically quality of life we're talking here. We want at hundred years old to look like we're twenty. 
just like 20 is without sin, because when a person turns 20, they clear their slate. The same way it should be at 100. But in order to do that, we need to have the Bathsheba. We need to have that 7. We need to have that proper education at 7 years old. That when the person turns 20, they don't start spinning their minds. They don't start looking for other things. They don't start finding their way. But they act like that child that came to Chinuch at the age of seven, who does what he is told and acts the way he's supposed to. tells us then further Avram Zokin Boba Yomim Vashem Berechas Avram Bakeu Kleyokar Makovich asked a question In Vayera already it said Avram Vesalas Kenim Boya Bayam so the Zokim Baba, the concept of Zokim Baba Yom, elder, and came of age, was already mentioned about them. This is now 37 years later than the previous announcements. So why is it now saying again, Avram Zokim Baba Yom, Avram is elder and now came to age of years? Only now he became old. He mentioned the 37 years prior. The words Boba Yomim shows, reflects on something that's come complete, a complete cycle. He came, he's Bo, and he went into his Yomim, he went into his days. Now the truth is, this has a very deep meaning to it. Days that a person experiences, it's not something that's just lost and we just switch around and we change around. Every day, every day and every living moment, every awake moment of the person's life, affects the person. So much so that you actually see it on the person. And ultimately you'll see two 60-year-old people and they don't look anything like each other. (coughs) This guy looks much older, this guy looks much younger. You'll say, this guy, no way he's 60, he must be 45. And you're saying, no way, this guy's 60, he must be 75. <laughs> same guy, same good, same age. 
what they went through causes this. The Jews that Rahman went through the Holocaust, they came out broken vessels. Many of them with hunchbacks, with wounds that never healed. And they paid the price for it. A person that looked like, that was only 20, 25, 30 years old, could have looked like they were 50, 60 years old, Rahman al-Sad. Generally, though, if a person overcomes the trials and tribulations, it doesn't show the effect doesn't wear and tear doesn't always show on him that way that badly. And therefore, when it's said before of Avram Vasadas Kane and Boyim Bayam, what they all they had gone through was effect, affected, it took a direct effect on them. They looked like an old couple. But then they were rejuvenated with the birth of Yitzchak. So much so that now, 37 years later, the Taylor tells us, oh wow, now they really look old. Oh wow, now they really truly aged. But the essence of their aging was well, well, way before that. The Zayr explains Boba Yom to mean that he was not missing any days. He had utilized every single day to serve Hashem. Isaiah says that when Avraham Avinu passed from this world he rose up and he vested himself in his days and he was not lacking even one precious garment he too as we said before about Sarah was not affected by the experiences that he went through in this world, physical. It was all about the soul. <clears throat> so the impact here that we're talking, the physical impact on that body of Avram Avinus, <coughs> true, it was affected, but not the soul. Each and every day of Avram's life was a spiritual experience. Each and every day was a spiritual challenge. We continue with a major beautiful story. A story mentioned repeated in the Tera. The story of Eliezer 
the servant of Avram, being dispatched by Avram Avinu under oath to go out and to bring back from his relatives only a girl for Yitzchak. Yitzchak, being brought up as a sacrifice, was not allowed to leave the Holy Land. And therefore he said, do not dare take my child out of this country, out of the land. Whoever the girl is, she needs to agree to move here. Chavivin The Taylor values so much the simple conversation of a servant of a, of, a, of, a, of a tzaddik that although each and every word and letter in the Taylor is accounted for the Taylor repeats the entire happening of Eliezer's journey. the guarantees that he brings with him. Avram Avinu had signed everything over to Yitzchak already, although he had many years to live. And the three-year-old Rifkala agrees to return to the home of Avram and Yitzchak to be the wife of Yitzchak. The Torah tells us then, Vayavyeho Yitzchak Hoyala Sara Imai. Yitzchak brought her to the tent of his Sarah, his mother. Vayikachas Rivka. He took Rivka Vatihila the Isha, and it was his wife. Vayavo Vayinochim Yitzchak Achri Imai. And he loved her. And Yitzchak was comforted after losing his mother. Much transpires here on the uh, calendar. A lot of things go down here that don't don't necessarily make sense. But Yitzchak now, with Rivka, three years old, who was born by the day of the Akeda, etc., um, is now bringing his new wife home, and now he's comforted by the fact, although his mother had passed away. And his mother was so much to him. Rashi tells us that when Yitzchak brought Rivka into the tent and saw she was alike his mother. As long as Sarah was alive, we said before, she lit the candles on Friday (coughs) and they burned till the next Friday. The dough, says Rashi, was a blessing in it. It always rose to such an extent that it was plenty for everything and everyone. And finally, the Shkina rested on Harvard over the tent. When Sarah passed, says Rashi, these three things went away. However, when Rivka entered the tent, they resumed. 
Now we know, though, that as soon as Rivka went into the tent, the Shechina came back over the tent. When she started her daily activities, Yitzchak saw a bracha in the food. Food she prepared, the doughs that she made and everything started to grow. And then finally when she lit candles for Shabbos, they burnt until the next Shabbos. At that point, Yitzchak became fully confident that Rivka was truly an heir to his mother's Holy Mother's saintliness. Because all the miracles that were associated with Sarah have returned. Does that make sense? It makes sense to hear that she came into the tent and the Shekinah came back and she started to cook and the food had plenty and when she lit her candles they burnt from Shabbos to Shabbos. However, let us re-examine the words of Rashi. Rashi says, as long as Sarah was alive, the candles burned from one Shabbos to the next, there was a blessing in the food, and the Shechina rested, hovered over the tent. Here Rashi turns it around. It doesn't give us the same sequence. By doing so, Rashi is giving us exactly what mitzvahs took place here. Which mitzvah is associated with which miracle? And thereby, which mitzvahs each and every Jewish woman as an heiress to the Arve Imahis, to the matriarchs, needs to begin to observe. The Farshim tell us, the commentaries tell us, a cloud hovering over the tent represents the Shechina, the Divine Presence, which comes into a home that keeps family purity, that keeps that only takes place when a couple is married therefore Rashi mentions this mitzvah last because it's after everything takes place before that Rashi says that there was a, d- a bracha in her dough. Because she was so makbid on separating challah, taking off challah, from the dough that they prepared, therefore there was a bracha. In other words, this is mentioned second, because a girl until, well, until she's a little older, at least by Bas Mitzvah, she doesn't make a bracha on the challah. (coughs) 
But before that, way before that, she's lighting Shabbos candles. And therefore Rashi emphasizes that just like Rivka who lit candles and it lasted from Shabbos to Shabbos, at the age of three, every Jewish girl should be trained in this mitzvah, before Bas Mitzvah, as soon as they can absorb lighting of Shabbos candles, they should begin doing so. Ultimately, there's a little discrepancy here between the candles that were lit by Sarimeno. And when Sarimeno passed away, there had to be candles in the house, so Avram would light them. And that's when they saw that they didn't burn from Shabbos to Shabbos. So in other words, the miracle... that the candles burnt from Shabbos to Shabbos was taken for granted. Like the water of a stream that falls downhill, the flame of a fire that rises up. And that's how it was. You light candles on a Friday, it burns till next Shabbos. When Sarah passes away and Avram begins to light the candles, uh oh. In the middle of Friday night, they were gone. Or Shabbos day. They definitely did not last a whole week. And this, therefore, is when they first saw the miracle of Sarah Yemenu. May you be Zecha to see the true light this very Shabbos. The light of Mashiach Tzidkenu in Beis Hamikdash Hashlishi, with our Rebbe leading us the Shabbos Mavarchem Chedesh Kislev, and we'll have the miracles of Kislev repeated once again. Shabbat Shalom to all.